Welcome to The Highway to Well with Derek Bell. Do you feel like your job isn't what you wanted? Do you feel less inspired in your work? Is it me or is it my job? These are essential questions we ask ourselves and in a COVID environment might be more meaningful or frequent to our health and well-being these days. In this episode of Highway to Well, we're talking with Mandy Nitch, executive and career coach at Inspired Training. Mandy helps individuals find joy in their work and helps organizations develop through thriving and productive cultures. Mandy and I will weave through a discussion about engagement, purpose, and values, and what inspires us to love what we do. We also address COVID life and how organizations are treating employees during this period, and ultimately how self-love and putting yourself first is the gateway to happiness. Thank you again for listening. Let's get on the highway to well. Welcome back to the Highway to Well. Today we're talking with Mandy Nitch, Executive and Career Coach for Inspired Training. During this big COVID pause, we're wondering what kind of lasting thumbprint will this have on our work? And a lot of that has to do with our transitions in working spaces from offices to homes and during a period when schools, camps, and sports are mostly shut down, which has flipped our entire idea of how we live and work. Plus, the fluctuation of our economy and changes in legislative support have also greatly impacted our organizations and how they can help us improve our work, um, become uh, more productive and happier employees, and just keep our basic structure of our organizations in place. But that's also allowed us and kind of forced us to ask questions about the nature of our work, not just in terms of production, but also in valuing and our affinity for our work. And Mandy's work here at Inspired Training is to help engage individuals and teams in the development and in their roles and their responsibilities and their organizations and renew energy to help inspire their clarity, courage, and motivation to help make adjustments in achieving and sustaining peak performance. And that, that's a lot, that's a packed way of looking at what Mandy's work involves, but it also helps us and helps guide us not only in seeing with the value of our organizations, but also in our production. And then what does that mean personally for us? So Mandy, welcome to the Highway to Well. So happy to have you. Been waiting to talk to you about organizational life and work. And when we first started talking about getting together, this was pre-COVID. So we had a lot of ideas about the nature of work and, and how stress and teamwork and all the, all the different functions of our daily lives at work impact our lives and what can we bring to help maximize our perform, performance and also our joy. But now with COVID, a lot of that has changed the way we talk about this or really has it. So would love to hear your ideas about work and then also would love to have you talk a little bit about your path from from your from your education to your career and then as you've developed your career paths how you've landed in this area of organizational development and personal growth and wellness yeah thanks for having me derek uh i'm always thrilled to talk about the world of work with people uh it is my passion and purpose um so i'm always pleased to be able to talk to others about it i think that 
my journey um, is not atypical. I think a lot of people experience the meandering ways that I experienced to get to the point that I am at today. I think that there is no straight line to success when we're talking along a career journey. Um, for me, part of it is all of those experiences along the way shape you into the person you are today and, and what brings you joy in the world of work. So I um, I'm a proud UW-Stevens Point graduate, uh, graduated from there with a degree in sociology, was certain I wanted to be a high school guidance counselor, went straight out to graduate school at Purdue University, spent a year there, did an internship, realized I didn't like high school students, uh, which was an interesting discovery considering I thought that was what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, so I left Purdue after a year, uh, went to work in the corporate world, uh, spent a couple of years working at Kohl's Department Stores corporate headquarters in Milwaukee. Um, had a great experience there. I had no business being there, if you will, because I was a sociology major, um, but it was, a, it was a different time. Um, it, this was pre 2008. Um, and so you could kind of do anything with any degree um, at that point. And so I spent a couple of years there, discovered that I didn't love working in cubicle land. Um, just the reason that I had chosen sociology is I loved the study of humans. Um, and while studying humans in a large corporate structure was very interesting, um, I knew that I was meant to do something more with my life. So went on to work um, uh, graduate school at Marquette, decided to finish up my master's degree, not be a high school guidance counselor, but rather uh, go into counseling. And so I have a master's degree in counseling from Marquette. And while I was there, I did an internship at UW-Milwaukee in their career services office and found my niche, if you will. Um, found really where I was supposed to be was helping other people figure out what they wanted to be when they grew up and helping them accomplish all of the steps to get to whatever that career decision looked like for them. Um, it fit me really well because I, I am wired a bit more black and white in terms of my thinking. And so it was helpful for me to always be able to see concrete results with my students. So if a student came in um, wanting to choose a major, I could, I knew the steps, I knew how I was going to help them get there. If they wanted to write a resume, if they wanted to find a job, it, there were very concrete results at the end of that. Um, and while I wasn't certain that that was going to be where I landed, um, doing that internship at UW-Milwaukee was the best experience I could have ever had because it was an opportunity for me to really test out uh, what would be a fit for me similarly back when I was at Purdue and I did the internship in a high school and realized I didn't like high school students, it is those hands-on experiences that are one of the best ways for us to really figure out what we, what we like, what we don't like, what we're good at, what we're not good at, um, and where our values align in the world of work. So from there, I uh, spent a, a number of years working in higher education, working in career services. I went on to work at UW-Milwaukee in their career services office. I worked at Columbia College of Nursing, um, doing academic advising, worked at Marquette University in their career services office. And then my husband and I relocated to Green Bay and I landed at St. Norbert College, uh, also working in their career services, was their director of career services, worked my way up to that position. 
And once again, uh, thought that this was my dream was to be a director. I had this passion for working with students and alumni. This I knew I was really good at my job. Um, so director was the next natural step. And I hated it. Uh, I spent two and a half years in that role. And it absolutely was not a fit for me. I was good at it. Um, and, and lots of people would say I was good at that job, but it wasn't a fit because I sat in meetings all day and that's simply not the way that I'm wired. I am a hands-on, I want to be involved in the actual work of helping people. Um, and I didn't get the same satisfaction in getting that work done through others, through my staff. Um, and so I made the very difficult decision to leave higher education and start my own business because I knew where my gifts and talents lied were in the field of helping other people figure out their passion and purpose in the world of work and help them be really successful at work. And so I left, I left the college. <laughs> gosh, over six years ago to start my own business. Um, people told me how crazy I was because uh, at that time, uh, you got tuition reimbursement for your children. So my kids would have gone to school for free, uh, to college for free. So people told me how crazy I was, how risky this was, why would I ever give up that job? Um, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, the work I get to do today ranges from helping I help college students still on a one-on-one -on -one basis when they reach out to me, but I also get to help uh, emerging leaders, brand new leaders in the world of work, figure out what that means, what their leadership style is. I get to help executive teams work together, be a higher functioning team. I also get to help people who want to make a career transition, um, figure out maybe why they've been unhappy in the world of work and figure out a fit that is um, gonna be much more fulfilling for them. And that really is what drives me is helping those people find their joy because I truly believe life is too short to be miserable in your job. Um, I think every person deserves to find joy in the world of work. We spend way too many hours at work not to be happy and fulfilled and content. Um, and I think every I think every human deserves that to find that joy um, and I want to be that person to help them find out what that is and and get them to that point so that's a bit about my that my my crazy journey to get here uh, but I think that it makes me really well suited um, because I understand um, and have a lot of empathy for the people who are in those lousy jobs um, even if they thought it was their dream job um, and being willing to accept that it might not be and and be willing to take the steps necessary, to take the risk necessary, um, to find something that is going to bring them joy. Yeah, it's funny that, so we're both sociology majors. <laughs> and, and every time I start talking about my career path, it starts with this, it's a non-linear path to <laughs> where I am today. So I think there's there are these two common threads, I think, with everyone who majored in sociology. One is you take a non-linear way to where you are today and the second of all you're always wrapping your you're always attempting to wrap your job in, around your values mm -hmm. and so that becomes a really hard and complex issue for a lot of us because we often find that they're incongruent or 
while we're part of like we enjoy what we do, we may not appreciate everything our organization is doing or we feel misaligned within the larger organizational structures and then we get lost and then we start building resentment and all those negative issues that lead to a negative experience with our work and then and then question even well, was this the right path for me to go down? And so you're so you're really in this unique position in a COVID cloud environment of working with people to sift through these questions about work. And so one of the key things I wanted to ask you is what if you have someone in front of you, you know, what do you do or what are some of the ways you work with someone or groups of people in helping them determine, first of all, whether or not they really love what they're doing, but then second of all, how, how can they maybe take what they're doing and rewrap their values around that so they can find a sense of purpose in that work? I absolutely love the notion of values. Um, and so interesting that you bring that up because I feel one of the things that I've really observed in this um, COVID environment we're living in is I find that I have always talked about values when I'm doing career coaching um, because values are one of the one of the top reasons why people are unhappy in their jobs, um, find themselves in a role that no longer fits or find themselves in a company that no longer fits. It often comes back to values. Um, And when I'm talking to people in a career coaching perspective, I talk about interests, values, skills, and personality, that it's those four things in combination are the best predictor of a career environment fit. Um, And this notion of values has bubbled up. It's always been important, but in this COVID environment, it is fascinating to me how how it's elevated, even in corporate environments. So even when I'm going in and doing executive coaching now, I'm talking values more than I ever have in the last six years of my work when I'm talking executive coaching, different than that, that those career coaching conversations. So um, I think people are realizing, um, I think COVID has given a lot of folks a wake-up call of this notion of life's too short. And so I think people are focusing more on values. What's interesting to me though about values is we all have them, right? We all know that we have values, but oftentimes people have a really difficult time putting the words to them. So if I'm sitting across from a client and I say, okay, tell me your values, they often look at me like a deer in headlights because they just, it's hard to put words to it. You know it, you feel it when it's there or when it's not there, but it's often hard to, to actually put the words to it. So um, I will do uh, different values exercises with folks. If I'm <laughs> pre-COVID, I would actually do a card sort exercise with values um, in this COVID environment when I'm meeting all of my clients virtually. Um, I have um, handouts that I send to them ahead of time. And, and basically their job is to whittle down this list of values to their top seven. Um, and then we use that as a starting point to talk through what of these are being met, what of these aren't being met, um, and then having some conversation about what does that mean for you in terms of when we look at the discrepancy between what's met and what's not met and your level of engagement in the world of work. From there, we can have conversations about is this the right fit and or how do we, is it even possible for you to get these values met at work? So an example might be maybe family is one of their values and they're 
one of the things that I'm seeing happen in this COVID environment is a lot of my clients are really, really grateful to be working from home um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and they're enjoying it because it's allowing a bit more of that work-life balance in terms of more availability for their family or whatever that might be. The flip side of that is they're working more hours than they ever were before because they don't know how to turn off the the technology that's around them. So they're working till, you know, midnight every day because their laptop is right there and they've got some emails to answer. And so if family is one of their values, it, while they're grateful to have more time at home and more flexibility for their family, it can actually work against them because now they're working more hours. So in that case, we might talk about how do you have that conversation with your boss about how, you know, the workload or how that's impacting you? Or how do you set better boundaries around your time at home so that you're not working every day until midnight? So we could use that, that family value as conversation of, well, this, this could be part of what's frustrating you right now. And how do we get that back into better alignment? Now, some people, we might have that conversation and they might say, yeah, my boss, my company, they don't care. They expect me to work 75 hours a week and that just isn't it for me. Well, then we're going to have a different conversation about whether or not that place is going to continue to be a fit for them. But it's interesting how something as seemingly simple as values, it has such a profound effect on people and their level of engagement and joy in their work. Yeah, I mean, that you, you hit on... I'm, I have about 10 notes here of <laughs> different things. So, and we've... And so you're, you're in career and in organizational development and yet in wellness, we're having the exact same conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and there is a strong research base that shows that people who have expressed their values have discovered and expressed their values who understand what their values are, basically a, a cognitive understanding of I have values and here's what they are. They tend to live healthier lives. They have reduced rates of different health disease um, incidents. So um, and various different studies go into, into that. And one, one of the most famous of, of some, well, I'll get to that in a second. But the, uh, the other idea, that, the other thing that we're learning is, too, is that people who have values tend to be more optimistic. And that value and optimism, um, kind of that dichotomy of those two, they, they help actually encourage gene health and um so there's still a massive amount of science we're continuing to learn and um there have been some various studies showing that the like the end of our of our um chromosomes are stronger because of our ability to um have optimism and values and live our values out in our life so there's just some some research that's showing that in, in terms of the wellness field. But when you're, it's kind of, when you brought up that list, I think one of the things that I've noticed with COVID too is, so if you look at interest, value, skills, and personality, it's kind of like your baseline checklist. And if something checks all those off, then, then that, that's really, you should be able to be fulfilled by what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I, I assume that's the, you know, that's the premise. So, I think in what COVID did is it allowed us to leave one of those left unchecked because of our hastiness in our life, how busy we were, our really our kind of our lack of personal assessment. A lot of times we're moving so fast, we didn't really process and assess ourselves much um, in, unless there was a life event that changed and, and you, you had the 
opportunity to go through stages of trying to discover something. Um, but for the most part, we were running at such a high speed that we allowed ourselves to not have all those boxes checked. So because we would be fine moving on from one thing to the next. And then COVID happens and it creates this pause. And in that pause, take a step back and we say, now, wait a second. So I have the skills to do this job. I kind of, I feel like my personality fits, but man, this organization is just not helping right now. And that's, that's really impacting my interest. And, and like you said, like, so how do we help people put words to that? And, and, you know, like what you're doing where you're trying to get people to identify like family or, or what about them is important and in, in, in wellness and in doing some wellness type presentations that I've done, it's sometimes people just need to take a chance to like map these things out or like you have, have them do a card sort where they're just picking words because it's a hard thing for them to put words to. But once they do, then a lot of things I think start to, there's a lot of things that start to make sense to them. And one of the exercises I have people do is then they go into drawing themselves as an object based on after doing like a value mapping exercise. So they take their values and then they draw themselves as, as an object. If I had to, so if I had to ask you, what are you? Um, and a lot of people don't want to draw themselves as a self-portrait anyway. So if I ask <laughs> you to draw yourself as an object, you tend to, people feel a little looser about that experience and then they start really being creative and then they start getting into their values and then they draw something that ultimately shows like who they really think they are. So there's a lot of people who will draw, you know, like um, action items or like a guy that I was working with um, drew a hammer and he just likes to build things like that's his, and he builds internet um, structures and he builds databases and he builds websites so it's not just about construction, but it's just he sees himself as a builder. That's when he feels like he's at his best, when he's building something for someone else. That's a pretty profound statement for him to kind of figure out and make. And so as you're working with people on their values, you know, that is such a critical part. And then, and then when you place them back in the organization, and then you start to see these these different parts of their lives kind of crisscross and hopefully they're aligned appropriately. But if they're not, like you said, you have these challenging conversations about, well, what does your work mean? And the other, and then the other thing about COVID and I'd love to get your opinion on this is, so one of the, like some of these issues, like working from home, I've, it's kind of like the cat is out of the bag I'm working from home and it, it can be a productive manner of working. It also, like you said, it can help you feel closer to your family and you're more aligned with um, some of those other values that you may have given up along the way because you've been working so much in an office setting. But one of the things that, that I've been asking around too is I think one of the critical questions that we're going to ask after this is over and it may involve how people choose who they work for is how did your organization treat you during COVID or how did the organization treat their employees during COVID? I feel like that question, if for every interview that, that if I ever interview for another job after this, I think that's going to be the first question I ask in my interview is how did you treat your employees during COVID and tell me about that experience because that tells you a lot about the health of an organization and, and whether or not you work for someone. So like if you get in a conversation with someone who feels undervalued or, or underused or um, they're, maybe their boss doesn't agree with this or they don't like the way that they're working, 
well, is that a problem, a function of the boss or a function of the organization? And is the organization allowing for some flexibility and latitude to allow us to get our work accomplished? So that's a, that to me is a really critical question that we can ask out of our organizations today. And I think that's what's been really interesting to me is how different organizations are in their approach to how they handle the initial uh, rollout of how they were going to respond to COVID, um, how they supported their team while they were working remotely, which a lot of companies had never had experience around before. And then even as companies started um, asking people to return to work uh, in return to the office environment, it's just been interesting how different companies are handling it. I mean, I, I have some companies that expected their employees to work back in the office, you know, starting this summer. And then I've got some that say, we don't really have a plan in place. You know, this is surprisingly, this is working for us, this working remotely. Um, And I think that to your point about, I think that people are going to make some career decisions based on how their companies continue to handle the flexibility of working from home versus working in the office. I think especially as schools start back up this fall, um, I think that I think those conversations get much more complicated um, when you've got kiddos that are maybe um, having to virtually learn again. Um, And if now parents are being required to work from the office, it's going to create a lot of challenges uh, when it comes to childcare. And so I think the notion of how does the company handle those situations, to your point, it, it says a lot about their, the company's values and how, how they choose to treat their employees. I think what's been interesting is that I've had companies that were resistant to remote work or work from home. Um, and even some of those companies that were re- resistant, they're knocking it out of the park. Uh, they had some of the biggest months they've ever had during during the pandemic. So um, I think it, it begs the question of um, starting to look at how different work can look. Um, and, and that works for some people. And I have some clients who, who are chomping at the bit. Like, I can't do this. I cannot keep working from home. It doesn't work for me. I need to be back in the office. I need that energy. I need that um, excitement. I need that noise. And so I think that notion of what works best for individuals, if companies are willing to honor that, we're going to see engagement increase. Um, I think if we force people back too early uh, into the office, people aren't ready, people don't feel safe, people want to continue working from home and that's no longer an option, I think we're gonna see engagement decrease. Yep, and it's, I love that you're talking about engagement because for for the longest time there in wellness, I and mean, we've had these discussions about engagement versus participation. Mm-hmm. And how do you define, so what's the definition? definitional differences between those two? Because a lot of people like to count participation as engagement just because someone shows up. And what I think COVID has allowed us to do is to actually really invest ourselves into thinking about two concepts, absenteeism and presenteeism. And how do those two impact the production of our work? And also how does it impact our engagement in our work? 
And like you said, if, if an organization allows their employees to work from home more because it helps them live their life and they can be more productive, in doing so, what we're, that's kind of what we're discovering that for a lot, and not every case is that way, and there are some types of work and there's just some um, nature of some work that can't either can't be done remotely or there might be a need to kind of have a hybrid environment so that people can still be accomplishing things. But these are questions we should be asking. And, and instead of looking at it um, necessarily just participation that someone, someone's showing up or someone's clocking in, but invest ourselves more into what is, so when we talk about presenteeism, how, how well are they working? And, and what are the factors that are impacting that? What's mitigating their ability to be productive while they're working? Because they're there. I can see they logged into their computer. We can track a lot of activity, but are we really able to dissect and track that presenteeism scales in order to, to help us understand what really helps people do their best? And then on the flip side, the issue of absenteeism, uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious after maybe – and, and I don't want this to extend any further, but as COVID continues to impact our work and a lot of people are, are working remotely and working from home and, and not and our organizations aren't as full as they were, then are we going to see absenteeism drop because we've allowed the flexibility for someone to work um, in different situations or they're just maybe not physically feeling well and previously they couldn't have come to work or they would have shown up to work and just work poorly um, now we create an environment if they're working remotely where they might be able to get a few things accomplished and it may be a shorter day than what they would normally would have had, but they got more accomplished in that shorter period of time because they're able to work on their own schedule and, and manage their life a little bit better. So there's these concepts of as absenteeism and presenteeism, which were, were, those have always been there. Like you said, like you've always talked about values, but this, COVID environment has amped up some things. And what I see is it's really ramped up our discussion about engagement. And when we do that, what we're really talking about is that absenteeism and presenteeism. And those are, those are really critical issues to organizational success. And I think this is the perfect time to be having those conversations. I mean, what's difficult right now is that the job market, um, is not what it was, let's say in January, when I was working with uh, career coaching clients in January who were job searching, the market was phenomenal for a job seeker. And that has obviously completely turned around at this point. And so I think when we think about this notion of engagement, I think sometimes people are, there's some fear there of, well, there's no jobs out there, you know, this perception that there's no jobs out there, I'm never gonna find anything. But that's where I would argue, this is the exact right time to be doing some of that soul searching inward look at things like our values and our interests and our skills and personality and really thinking about if I'm not happy at work, if I'm not engaged, if I'm not truly present when I'm at work, what needs to change for me to get there? And can I do it at this place? And so that's where I think this is the exact right time to be doing some of that introspective work. Um, because 
there is an opportunity. Let's face it, all of our social lives look vastly different than they did six months ago. So there is this notion of we do have a little bit more time, even if we're working more hours from a social life perspective, we do have some more time to be introspective in that space. So why not use this time to take a look, a deep, hard look, a deep, hard, honest look at ourselves in that space to try to figure out what needs to change um, and how do I get there? And so I think it's a perfect time to be thinking about those things if you're finding yourself feeling that that disengagement um, at work. And I think what's interesting, Gallup says, the Gallup organization, their research shows that 13% of workers are actively disengaged. So these are the people that are like rowing the boat the opposite direction. Um, so they're actively working against whatever uh, the company is trying to achieve. That's that's 13%, but they say 49% are not engaged. 49%. Mm-hmm. It's, and these are the people that you're talking about that are showing up and punching the clock or logging in, but not truly being present in their work. Right. And, and I think, how sad, how sad is that, that there's 50% of people who aren't engaged, who don't find joy, who, who, who aren't trying to, to actively move ahead that, that organization or even their own careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this is the right time to be looking at what do I, what do I need to do differently? Um, and I think values is a great place to start. Yeah, it, absolutely. And then, and as you're talking, I think you're, we're segueing into something I wanted to get your thoughts on because I think this will be to some degree it's it's already a discussion that we're having um I've seen um and have been a part of writing some wellness articles regarding like um zoom fatigue and staying connected you know so we're starting to recognize that that there are some incredibly highly valuable components to working remotely and we have for the most part as a society um, pivoted fairly well with the aid of all of our technology to be able to do that. Um, that doesn't, I'm not saying like some organizations, you know, obviously there's the economy has, has been disrupted and, and it's dynamic. And so some organizations haven't pivoted well, but we do see that working remotely has become quite valuable to a lot of organizations. However, now that we've been working remotely and that our timelines for not working remotely are constantly changing and being pushed back and back and back. I was listening to this really good uh, webinar from the Wellness Councils of America Walcola yesterday, and Dr. Jernigan, um, who talks a lot about um, belonging and some, some of our basic human needs. And he brought up that our organizational life uh, or that our sense of belonging and, and connectedness is a basic human need and part of our basic human desire to live well. And, and that took me right back. So us sociologists are driven right back to our early days in our education where we were trying to determine what basic human needs were. And I had this cultural anthropology class and I wrote about being connected as being a basic human need, like throughout our entire history, that is one thread that is common to humankind. So it brought me full circle back <laughs> to my education. But it, but so in today's world, I thought about what does a sense of belonging mean? 
to an organization. So, and what does that mean for our connectedness and how have those two words changed now and how do we encourage people that are working remotely to feel that sense of belonging if we really do feel like that is one of our basic human needs. Yeah, I think that notion of connection is so important. Um, It's often something I coach my leaders on is that it is a basic human need to, to feel connected, to have relationships with others, to love others. It is simply a basic human need. And um, I think what has been interesting in watching the ebbs and flows, at least within the organizations I'm working with, is that when people initially went home to work from home, when this started, um, there was a sort of you rah-rah, we got this, we're all on the same page, we will conquer this as an organization, we're going to make this work. And so I think there was a lot of camaraderie up front, you know, all of those notions of like Zoom happy hours and, um, you know, trivia nights with your fellow colleagues, all of those things were happening. And I think we're seeing a lull right now, at least within the organizations I'm working with, where, where that notion of fatigue has really set in because we don't know um, what COVID, where this is going. And so I think initially we thought, okay, we'll work from home for a month or two and then we'll be back in the office. We got this. And now as it continues to drag on, if you will, then people are starting to question, how long does this last? How long am I working from home? I miss my colleagues. And so I think it is that notion of, it was. it's interesting because at the start of this, we were really coaching leaders on reaching out to people and getting to know each other as humans. You know, So the idea of your kiddos popping in on that Zoom call or the dog hopping up on your lap. Uh, one day, one of my clients, I was talking to her and her cat walked across the screen in front of her. And that's what makes us human. And I think we have to get back to those things. We have to get back to it's okay to chit chat for a few minutes at the start of the call, you know, whereas I think we did that at the start of COVID. We spent a lot of time of, Hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Everybody's safe. We were very concerned about one another. And I think that's dipped at this point. And that's equally as important now as it was when we started working from home. Um, And I think people have drifted away from that. And that can be as simple as for some people, maybe you got to put a post-it note, on on your computer monitor to say, check in with people. Or maybe you make notes about each of your direct reports about something interesting that you know is happening in their life. Hey, I know that you said that it was your son's birthday yesterday. How did that go? How was the party? What what was his favorite gift? These don't have to be these, you know, 30 minute, like, let's be distracted from work conversations. It can be a five minute check-in to know someone cares about you as a human. And I think that is more important now than ever as we're seeing a bit of that slump, a bit of that fatigue really starting to set in. So it's about going back to basics. Let's treat each other as humans. Let's show each other that we care. It's okay for the dog to be on camera every now and then um, because that is what makes us human. And so I think that notion of connection is is important and I've seen it fade a bit in recent weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, one of my favorite behavioral change theorists, BJ Fogg, um, and James Clear too, with the, who put out Atomic Habits recently, which has mm-hmm. been pretty popular for behavior change reading. But there's a lot in those between those two about these these 
motivational waves that we will see in making behavior change. So if we think about, you know, this whole process as a series of behavior changes that we have to get more comfortable with and starting with small behaviors and changes that we can make, I think you're, you're providing some simple tips that are really critical to the big picture uh, issue of connectedness. So whether that's putting a post-it note that says remind, you know, or, or put down a few that for each of the people that are on the media to make sure you get a chance to ask them about certain things or sometimes um, put meetings on the calendar that are not so not necessarily tactical work related, but just catch ups mm-hmm. or to, to rotate some ideas about, I think I, there've been a couple of groups I've seen. I wish I could remember which group this was. I posted that they have different kind of like costume themes for work, some of their work <laughs> meetings, like they're, and those are the work meetings that are like their round table. Like they just go around and talk about what's going on. So it's not, no one's going to make a really critical hard decision, you know, with a sombrero on, but, <laughs> but they do have fun work yep. meetings that help bring back a little liveliness to that to that whole work environment. And, but in, and as you're talking about a lot of that, what, what also one of the things I wanted to make sure we talked about today is the concept of resiliency. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> laughing because we literally are just rolling out a new offering called resilience circles. Um, mm. So yes, I'm a hundred percent on board. Say more. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no, it's, but it's, and this is what's, there's some, I always like to find the, the silver linings and like what's going on that will make our world better. So in our environment, in my corporate environment, there has been a incredible shift towards paying attention to wellness. And if you would have asked my organization a year ago, do you, do you have, do you do wellness? They would have answered the question. Yes. Me as a wellness professional, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> no, you, you have a checkbox HR program called, mm-hmm. you know, they, th- that's not wellness. That's a benefit plan. So don't confuse the two. You, you, we don't have an active and ongoing wellness presence. That has completely changed during COVID. So that's a silver lining. Now, resiliency. So for so long, resiliency is a word that is used in certain situations, usually involving physical activity that you require strength and fortitude. Or, or resiliency is used in critical conflict and life-changing life um, life and death situations where we we consider resiliency as this thing we call upon when we need it at our worst moments or at our most difficult moments and mm-hmm. what do you do when every day requires resiliency and that's kind of what the world that we live in now is every day is filled with the duress of making a decision literally every moment of the day requires you to think about it and then build build an environment so that you can thrive. And to me, that's always been, so in our field, we've always talked about resiliency in this way, but it's just now catching on like, like, you know, like you'll see is resiliency is, is a, is a common thread of our current work environment and living environment. So how, you know, so how do you see resiliency and how is it that it's more conscious today or is it just because the environment is, opened up the gate to talk about it more um, as it impacted your work with clients. Yeah, I think that this notion of resiliency is that 
because it, we're under this constant um, feeling of change or threat or uncertainty right now. I think that the idea of resiliency has um, become more important. It's become more prevalent in our conversations. I think especially as we look at company culture and the impact that um, working remotely has had on company culture, I think even more so, how do we maintain that culture? Part of it is having resilient employees that are forward thinking in that space. So some of the things we talk about with our clients when we're talking about building resiliency, because I do believe that it, it, it is a skill that needs to be built. Um, there are some people that sure are just more hardwired to be more resilient, but I, I think that people can learn to do this. And I think it's something, um, I think it's something COVID has taught all of us is that we have to be more fluid um, than we maybe were before. And resiliency is part of that. So one of the things with resiliency is, is when we feel like we're under this attack or this constant change or uncertainty, we feel this lack of personal control. And so when we think about that, part of building that resiliency is really working on how can I be a more proactive rather than reactive person. And so really focusing on the things that are within my control, especially when I feel like so much is out of my control. I can't control whether or not my employer is requiring me to return to work in the office. I can't control what the school ends up deciding my kiddo's school life is going to look like. I can't control, um, you know, my colleague's irritated response to my email. Those are the things I can't control. But what can I control? Well, I can control my response to any of those. I can control the conversations I have with those people. I can control the planning I am able to do in response to any of those things. So really focusing in on that proactivity, um, I think is one piece of it. I think another piece is um, when we think about resiliency, it is about focusing on our own emotional stability. I think that um, we have all experienced such an ebb and flow of emotions throughout this. And so really taking the time to dial in um, how I'm feeling on a daily basis. And that it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about building connections. That truly means asking the people not just the blanket, hey, how are you doing today? But how are you feeling today? How is this impacting you? What's going well? What isn't going well for you? So we can do that with others, but we can also do that with ourselves of being really honest with, wow, I was really pissed off today. What was causing that for me? So really focusing on how can I, how can I manage, first recognize my own emotions, but how can I manage those as well? Um, I think also that that notion of, I hate work-life balance because <laughs> I don't think it truly ever exists, but I think truly looking at what do I need from work to be happy, fulfilled, engaged, and what do I need from home to be happy, fulfilled, engaged. And so taking a look at both of those things can help build our resiliency and then focusing on our own professional growth can also dial in that resiliency of, of how do I become stronger, better, smarter, uh, more productive, at work that can help us be resilient as well. Um, so I think those are just a couple of ideas about how you might dial in your own resiliency. Yeah, those are really critical steps for us too. And and like you said, the, the biggest component of 
of how it all operates is really the feeling of control. Mm-hmm. And once you, once you understand that you're not in control of how something may or may not be happening, but you're completely in control of how you accept it and work with it and handle it is such the critical step. And I, I totally agree with your, your notion that work-life balance is, it's a funny phrase because it sounds, <laughs> it sounds so good. Yeah. Oh, I want everything to be in balance. And, and believe me in the wellness field, this has been an argument for 30 years. <laughs> finding balance is maybe not the best approach mm-hmm. because people who are seeking balance are also weighing the weight of different things. And if you try to level everything out, you may not be fulfilling anything. So you may be trying to, you may, you may find some balance, but then you're really not throwing yourself fully into something. And and the best example, so one of the great leaders in wellness, Don Ardell wrote the one, the first real, first real important book, I should say, I probably, probably easy to say the first important book in wellness, um, high level wellness. And it was a, an approach to living well. And, and he's also, he was a triathlete himself and he competed at a very high level. So after many years of his work and trying to figure out the, pro, the appropriate wellness models, I had a talk with him a few years ago about that whole concept of balance. And he, you know, he just laughed and it's like, it's not, it's not really what we do. <laughs> I mean, you can't expect someone who wants to do something well to then find balance. Like you have to understand harmony or as you know, Brian McSeward, a stress management guru calls it work-life harmony. So you have to find how much do you need to put in something to be fulfilled by it? And then what can you do to manage everything else to help you re- realize your goal? So if someone wants to run a hundred miles, well, you're going to spend less time with your family. So you're going to be out of balance for a short period of time, but you would have accomplished something incredible that required so much effort, mental fortitude, all the different, all these different things that would maybe make you a better, stronger, healthier person and your family or friends would see you accomplishing something great. And yet you may have had to manage or not be as available for other things in your life. And you just have to let that go. And you have to figure out a way around that. And so that, that just kind of takes that word balance and flips it over and says, you know, well, that may be not the best route for success or to thrive in something. So you have to find something that's harmonious with the way you want to live that ties as we bring this full circle back to our values. And are we living those values? And are we able to do that and, and manage that in a way that really fulfills ourselves and our friends and our families and everyone else around us and our work. So I agree with you on when we start talking about work-life balance, it's just, it's a little challenging because it just <laughs> well, doesn't, it's not the goal. I mean, right. the goal we should be seeking uh, for me, it's, it's about how are you as engaged as you can be when you're at work? And then on the flip side, how are you as present as you can be when you're at home um, or whatever that home looks like for you? So um, I think it's, it's not about seeking balance. It's about how, 
how am I as present and engaged in both whenever I'm in either of those scenarios? So right. um, I think that there's there's ways around that um, when we start to think about putting putting it in a different perspective. Maybe we just call it work-life presence. <laughs> Maybe we do. Yeah. I just don't know what we need to call it, but it's not balance. That is for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as we've woven our way through all of these different pieces, I want to bring us back to the beginning and, and give you a chance to have a, a send off here for our highway to well episode. But if I'm in a lousy job, Mandy, <laughs> What should I do? Yeah. Uh, first, you should recognize that you are important enough to not be in a lousy job, uh, that you deserve more. But you have to be the first one to say, I deserve more than this um, because no one else is going to do it for you. Um, but you have to be willing to say that, admit that um, and put yourself first in that space. So I would say that's that's the very first step is recognizing that you are worthy um, of, of being in something better than a lousy job. Um, and then I think from there, it really is that deep dive, that introspective work, that self-reflection. Honestly, that can be as easy a, a baby step you can take is take one week um, and one week of work and write down everything that you love about your work and everything you hate about your work. It's a, it's a great baby step in starting to really take an objective look at what's working and not working for you within your job. Um, and from there, you start exploring these other pieces that we've been talking about today. Interest, value, skills, personality, all of those things. Um, there's great resources. There's great assessments out there that you can take. Um, we, Inspired Training, are certainly one of those resources that love to help people um, at any stage in that process. Uh, and so I think that that once you make that decision that you're worthy, um, then I think it's it's just a matter of using the resources that are out there to help you help you figure it out because you don't have to do it alone. Um, and frankly, most people need some help along the way. And if that means a coach, that means a, a friend who's able to provide that objective viewpoint that you need. Um, but you don't have to do it alone. There's there's great resources and great help available for you. So if you find yourself in that space, if you find yourself in that lousy job, um, reach out to people, connect with people. I'm one of those people. I love talking to people <laughs> and helping them figure it out. Um, but, but use the resources you have available to you because you might be surprised once you start asking for help, um, you might be surprised at what's available to you. Mm. Yeah, and we'll, in the postings for this podcast too will include your website so people can find you in your contact information perfect so with that said we all need to find peace and joy and love in our work and ourselves and i want to thank you so much for coming on today and appreciate all the work you're doing and your ideas about where we are too with this covid environment and helping us understand that our values and our resiliency needs to be a skill set we need to develop and to help us move forward. Thanks for having me. Be well. Yeah. Be well. Thank <laughs> you. And we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.